Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Gator Nation, welcome back to the Respect Our Decision podcast. Guys, it's Vanderbilt week. As always, I'm your boy, Hirsch. With me, my two excellent co-hosts, CJ the Man McCann. What's up, guys? And the not-so-hype tonight, Wes. Press Wes. The Press Wes is in the house tonight, guys. Guys, for those of you that might have been wondering why we didn't do a raw reaction for this week, um, Mama told me a long time ago, if you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say nothing at all. It just, it wasn't going to be a good, a good show. Um, it was going to be three guys angry as hell complaining about everything. And, um, you know, I know y'all by that, by that point, y'all had had enough of that already on Sunday and Monday. Y'all were, y'all had your own, uh, grievances to air and it wasn't going to do no good to listen to everybody complain. So taking a few days, a little reflection time, we're going to talk about this week. We'll, we'll talk about a few things, you know, as far as our takes coming out of Kentucky and what we think needs to change going forward. With that being said, guys, make sure you go out, download us wherever you get your podcast from. And if you're watching us on YouTube, guys, this is your first time checking out the channel. Go ahead, drop a subscribe on the video, like, and hit that notification bell so you get a notification every time we upload new content. Guys, let's jump right into it, man. Um, Got some recruiting stuff we need to talk about first. Uh, we got some visits coming this weekend, including DJ Lagway coming right back. I, I mentioned this before. Uh, five-star offensive tackle Jordan Seaton from IMG is supposed to be in town this weekend. That is the goal. I said it last week. It would not surprise me one bit if DJ made his way to town for this visit 
and that, in fact, is taking place. DJ will be in town to visit, kind of loosely, you know, host Jordan Seaton, tell Jordan Seaton that he needs him to come watch his back. Uh, Miles Graham will be in town. Darius Hayes will be in town. Isaiah Williams will be in town. TJ Abrams will be in town. And um, Kendall Jackson as well. And there will probably be some others pop up on that. Uh, and a couple of uncommitted prospects from the 2024. One, one committed, one uncommitted. Another coming back, favor Edwin at a McDonough, Georgia offensive tackle. He was here for the Tennessee game. He's coming back for this game. And just recently announced is a wide receiver currently committed to Indiana, 2024 wide receiver um, Jeremy Bell, who's friends with Josiah Davis out of South Georgia. So he's going to visit. Um, I really don't know if this is maybe just like a backup plan, maybe a guy they're just bringing in to see if, you know, there's a spot kind of at the end and they want to try to make a flip here. But obviously, guys, the big fish right now we're here to talk about is Jordan Seaton. And let's be honest. Also, to, when I add this to this, because we're going to talk about these offensive linemen, 2025 five-star offensive tackle um, Solomon Thomas out of Jacksonville will be here this weekend as well. So there's another big offensive line v- visit. Obviously, it goes without saying, we've all watched the games this year, especially after this last weekend. Offensive linemen has to be on the menu, and, and in a big way, because we're not we're not getting it done. I'm not here to talk about what coaches need to go or be fired or not fired. Um, that right now we're a little premature for that, but I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it very clearly. Wes, you've said it yourself many times. CJ has loosely hit in on it as much. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't quite say it like Wes does, but we have got to start landing some big time offensive linemen. You want to compete against these big boys in the SEC not just the Georgias and the Bamas and, and, you know, the top tiers, but we saw what the defensive line of Kentucky was able to do this last weekend, pushing people around. Hell, we saw Charlotte do it at times in their game. Now, granted, that was some of our backup linemen, but backup linemen at the University of Florida should not be getting pushed around by defensive linemen for Charlotte. It should not happen. So, CJ, I'll start with you. How important – I mean, obviously, we've got LJ McCray. We've got Zay Mincy. These are the guys that are left on the board. Is Jordan Seaton the most important recruit left in this cycle? Yes. Yes, by far. Um, we've answered a lot of questions at D-line. And, you know, the secondary – you can say whatever you want to about the secondary recruiting. I'd like to have Zay Mincy, but Jordan Seaton is super, super important. Because the only way you're ever going to close the gap is to win in the trenches with that offensive line up front. This has got to be a make it or break it. You know, I, like I said, we talk about don't want to call for people's jobs, but you got to feel the pressure if you're an offensive line coach right now um, for the University of Florida uh, about getting some of these guys um, because we're getting pushed around. And not, not all of it's their fault. Obviously, the offensive line recruiting for the University of Florida has been lacking for since DJ Humphreys was recruited. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, honestly, it, it hasn't been very, very good. Um, so you need to make a, a, an impact there. Um, not just there, 
I'm never I've never been a big portal guy, but we cannot let what happened this past offseason with Mr. Simmons, who's starting left tackle at Ohio State, who's doing really well right now. You cannot let a guy like that get by you again. You have to win these offensive line recruiting battles in the portal on the trail because it's the difference in having a good football team and and an average to mediocre to bad football team. A lot of this team's problems, and we'll get into them later, can be solved by having a better offensive line. And it's, it's just that simple. It begins up front with those five guys. We've got some guys that are coming in. I love Westfall, but we need to get four or five more guys like Westfall in the recruiting classes consistently. You, Everybody you needs to be a Westfall. Well, you can't just <laughs> get one of these guys every class, like him or Kearney, and be like, all right, that's good. you know. And then get a bunch of guys like, no offense to our German friend, or or any of the other guys, uh, Will Mike Williams and and those guys. No offense to any of those other guys that are committed, but you, you got to get some higher profile guys in the offensive line room. And I don't have the answers on how to do that. I'm not a coach, um, but you need to. You know, I just know that if you're not performing well at your job consistently, you, you probably don't need to have that job much longer. Um, and that's kind of how you need to uh, – uh, I think that's how the offensive linemen coaches need to approach these recruiting battles from now going forward, that this really is going to affect my job going forward of how well we recruit these offensive linemen. Let me – before we jump to Wes and I get your take on this, Wes, I want to say I don't have a problem getting starting offensive linemen out of the portal. We've talked about it several times before. Offensive linemen can develop weight. They're one of the hardest positions to evaluate. You just don't know if how a guy's going to develop and what he's going to be, what he's going to turn into. I mean, just look at some of the best offense. Like, you know, you look at Osiris. Obviously, went to Louisiana. wasn't the most coveted offensive lineman in the country. Uh, Mazuka, great offensive lineman, second graded guard behind Osiris. He was at Baylor. These are guys that are, you know, they develop, you know, slower. Maybe you know, you get a guy from another lower rated school, you know, a lower tier school that has developed really well over one, two, three years, that's fine. Go get them. But like you said, don't miss the boat like you did with the young man that went to Ohio state that we thought we had in the bag and we kind of drug our feet on the situation. And we're going to get to the portal in a second because a change was made today. That's going to impact our portal strategy. And we, we need to talk about that, but, you got to do one or the other. You can't say, well, you know what? I'm going to get a couple of good offensive linemen in recruiting, and then we're going to go get two starters in the portal. But then you, you get to the portal, and you're kind of like, well, we don't know. We're not really sold on that guy. We'll, if he's there in a couple of weeks, we'll, we'll, we'll get him to visit. No. Identify what you need. You've got 100 guys on this army of, of staff. Watch some damn film and decide if that's the guy you need or not. And get him on campus. Wes, are, are you about ready to, to boot this offensive line recruiting into the sun? <laughs> this shit is ridiculous. What we saw Saturday <laughs> is effing ridiculous. I mean, to be what we have been for the last, I'm going to say 10 years, it could be longer. 
It's ridiculous. Even the year we had with Kyle Trask was because Kyle Trask had the be he had the ability to maneuver in the pocket. When people was like, "Well, he doesn't know how to move in his pocket," he had to realize like these guys. His uh, I think the 2019 year was I think we when he had to look a couple sacks against Auburn. He was fumbling. It was like well he hadn't played in a while, but it was because he had to maneuver in the pocket. This has been this has a, been a problem since that year when Muschamp came in and we couldn't even scrimmage in spring practice because our offensive line has been that bad and that horrible recruiting. And it's stupid. It, it's stupid because the way you have to win in the SEC, we have outlined for everybody that has listened to this podcast for years, is the trenches from both sides of the football. You can't survive in the SEC if you don't have good off, And you don't have to have the best – you don't have to be – the Philadelphia Eagles with the best offensive line in football. If you have an average offensive line, Thought you, you were you, a bunch of Georgia guys. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. They don't have any Georgia guys on the offensive line. So I know. know I was just yeah. giving you a hard time because all the Georgia. Yeah. You, no, the no, one no, no. team you picked has all the damn Bulldogs nah. on it. <laughs> but you, you and, it, and it is to the point where you don't even have to have a great offensive line. You just have to have an offensive line that is average. And that's something to watch the NFL and watching college. If you have an average offensive line, you can be successful. What the thing the thing that you can't survive with, if you have a below average offensive line, you can play a team like Kentucky that's developed guys in their system for four, three, four years, fifth year seniors or whatever, that's gonna dominate because they, because your offensive line is below average. We ha- we don't have to have an average offensive line. You can survive. With an and that's and, and a lot of know a lot of people and this is going to take me to a larger point. I know a lot of people are, are upset or pissed off with Billy's offense, and so am I. I'm one of those people that think we need a new offensive coordinator. But I don't know how to. Even if he had a great offensive scheme, it wouldn't work. We could have Caleb Williams. We could get Kyle Trask back. You're not going to survive with this piece of shit of offensive line that we have. Is bad. You move. I, I would. They moved Mazuka from left guard to right guard. Hirsch illustrated he was the second best ranked guard in the country, but we moved him right. To me, besides left tackle, I think right guard is is, is just as essential as left tackle. What well, after left tackle is essential as right beside the right tackle, other than center and left guard. And then I mean, we I've I've chronicled Kingsley last year. People were saying on different podcasts, and in the, we get Kingsley back. We, I mean, he. Kingsley is not average. The thing we were counting on Kingsley to come back because slaughter was so bad, and it's still to me is like this. It's still not close. The offensive line is atrocious. We need uh, to, to. I'm glad that AR is coming. Or not AR, excuse me. That DJ is coming back to to this weekend to be here with Seton. But you can't survive this way, and it's hard to get great offensive line in the portal. Because they are comfortable where they're at, knowing that they're draft stock and knowing that they're going to get picked where they're going to get picked. You have to go to those lower schools uh, or be lucky like we had when Billy transferred to Florida and he was able to get some guy uh, that went in the second round and is playing good for the Buffalo Bills at right guard. That is a rare commodity to get somebody that that that's, uh, as far as offensive line. You can get a D-tackle. You can get a DN, You can get a linebacker. You can get a receiver. You can get a quarterback. You can get these guys at different positions, but as far as O-line, it's hard. And and we've put ourselves in a position to, and I was uh, having a uh, dialogue with one of my uh, close friends, Swap King, being on message boards as well, about, okay, is it really Billy's fault and his staff's fault? If they don't get seaten, it's their fault. Because they're doing the same thing we said about what, what Heavy C was doing and what lead, lead us to now. Because even in their two years, 
their guys are only gonna just be sophomores, unless you got a senior. In the, but then that you get on a guy that didn't cut it where he was at as a junior, senior, five year, uh, a five year guy at another school. So you don't know what you're getting in that guy that has been developed by another staff. So I can't put all the the the, the onus on them, but they have to improve. As I said last year and the year before, they have to get these top-notch guys. If not, I feel sorry for DJ. I told my friend this when we was talking, texting this week, because in my depressed state, I had to uplift him. I feel sorry for DJ. Like, seriously, like, what is he coming to us for? He can be Caleb Williams. He's not going to survive behind his office. We saw Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when his office line was out. The best quarterback that we – I don't know if you guys make knowledge with me, but as far as talent-wise, to make shit happen out of nowhere, Patrick Mahomes. He got slaughtered with no offensive line in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay and Tom Brady because he had nothing. You can't you can't run. You can't throw. There's no time to do anything with our offense. This is the most essential group because they have to – you have five guys that have to play as one. You can have a DB make a mistake. You can have a guard make a mistake. It's going to flash more. You can have a left tackle. If he makes a mistake, it flashes more. And it's more of importance every down than what they have to do. Down in and down out. And if we can't get that fixed, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. And people didn't think that Ethan White and Micah Tarquan leaving were as important as it is. But I wish we had Ethan White and Micah Tarquan on the, on the roster right now. I wish we had... Definitely, uh, Tarquan would would be a great one to have. He, obviously, Ethan had some issues of his own, and that's that's for another day. Um, look, you nailed it though. Hey, healthy Ethan, healthy. Ethan. Yeah, yeah, healthy Ethan. Um, look, this is a big boy recruiting battle, and this is a guy you need. This is a guy you can when he walks in, you go, you know what? You could be starting out there next year, absolutely. If you come in and work, it's there to be had. But this is a big boy recruiting battle, and there's and you know you need it. And he's got, and the young man is open. So this is one that you could, you, you know, whatever you're offering out to a Jeremiah Smith or somebody like that, you better put a big boy offer on the table for this young man right here. Because he, to me right now, sorry, I'm going to say this. And some people are probably going to say, Hirsch, you're crazy. That's this young man right here. Getting a lineman like this is more important to me than a Jeremiah Smith. Just going to say it like it is. We have receivers. Thank you, Hirsch. Thank you. We have receivers. Thank we you. have running backs. We have skilled players. Do we do we probably need another tight end because all our tight ends are, are falling faster than flies? Sure. Absolutely. Go Got find one in the portal, recruit a second one. I don't care. But this young man right here, five-star offensive tackles that are genuinely interested in your program, seal the damn deal. Thanks. Do what you got to do to get it done i don't want to hear oh well we gave it our best shot but it just wasn't in the cards the young man liked somebody else he visited tennessee and and people like that we whipped tennessee's ass so don't you know don't tell me that you can't out recruit tennessee for offensive linemen you've already lost two premier offensive linemen to south carolina lost them to miami last year well that that's a whole different ball game and i'm not gonna go I'm I, the pancake situation. Obviously, that young man got. If if that's the kind of money we're talking about, maybe it's ridiculous. But at some point, you got to say, "Hey, we got to do what we got to do." You can't just keep losing them. You've got to win one of these battles. 
Um, talking about the portal change that came out today, as far as the fall portal goes, and this affects this staff greatly because we've seen how this staff operates in the portal. They're a little slow to the to the jump. The fall portal window will now be reduced from 45 days to 30 days. That's one month to make your decision. Get your guys on campus and get them in the fold. That, that means you can't be waiting around doing evaluations for two weeks to see if a guy is a good program fit or not. You need to be doing these evaluations in November. <laughs> Um, do them like Dion and just get them on campus. Yeah, and, man. And hey. if they ain't working out, tell them, hey, in the spring, time to go. Look, Never mind. If you don't, A, have an idea what you have on your roster and what you need by the end of this season, because I'm just average Joe sitting in, in Georgia, and I can tell you right now, we need some offensive linemen. We need a tight end, at least one. Probably a veteran wide receiver, a running back probably wouldn't hurt. Given we don't know what camp, you know, these are just off the top of my head. I'm not Another even really safety. Yeah, exactly. The safety room. Um, obviously, it looks like we're already going to be one short there in a room that's already low on bodies. Um, yeah. So you might want to have guys watching tape of guys playing on Saturdays right now, saying, you know what? And don't don't hit me with the we can't talk to them till they enter the portal because <laughs> it, it, because it's happening at every school in the country. A guy knows a guy. He sends no. a text message. It's what happens. So no. if you've got the blinders on and don't think it's going down, it's going down, guys. Uh, anyway, so just the thing to keep in mind. So all of y'all that listen to the show and you you ask questions about what's going on in the portal. Um, obviously now the portal window is tighter, so action's going to be fast. I mean, you're going to see stuff going down really fast in January as far as the portal goes. Um, so hopefully Billy and the boys, I mean, they got a full plate right now. Let's be honest. Billy's going to have a full plate at the end of this damn season. And we're about to talk about that some more. But his portal process needs to be up up here high on the um, – line of things because we all know that schedule ain't getting any easier next year than it is this year it's brutal you better have some dogs to go with the guys that you already got that are busting their ass and maybe some of the ones that we saw this weekend that aren't maybe they're the guys whose roster spots are about to get taken um so let's let's cruise in and talk about this for a second guys <clears throat> we obviously we've, we've talked about the offensive line situation so we're not going to harp on that much longer Given what we saw against Kentucky, and CJ, I'll start with you. What are the biggest changes Billy needs to make make going forward, A, now, and B, after the season? Because obviously you're not going to – people are saying, well, why can't he just change offensive quarters now? You're not going to do a full install of an offense game five. You're just not. It's, It's not realistic. So what is your take to what, what he needs to do now to show the fan base? I I get it. And what does he need to do after the season? And you're right. I don't know what he could do now. Um, and, and because I don't think really anything will satisfy most of the, the vocal part of the fan base. Um, I think there's a large majority of the fan base that is very quiet um, and it's just kind of letting this play out, kind of being sensible. But like the vocal 
people we've seen on Twitter since Saturday. Um, you know, I don't know what you're going to do to satisfy him because letting Russ Callaway call the plays isn't going to satisfy a lot of people. They they want to splash higher, which you can't make a splash higher in the middle of the season. You can't make any higher in the middle of the season. You've already got a transfer quarterback that's already learned a brand new playbook from what he was learning. Do you really want to make him learn another one? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I just think there's you've got to look at your offense, and I, I think they're going to do this in the sense that there are bigger plays to be had. There's got to be some stuff that's got to change. Um, number one, I think uh, all the motion and stuff. I'm not saying get rid of the motion because you see it working in a lot of the other places. You see the Miami Dolphins use it. You see the 49ers use it. But you've got to make the motion mean something, right? Like so, when when Ricky goes on an, on the orbit motion and he runs that jet sweep, you got to at least hand him the ball once in a while. You know that can't always be. He's going left to right, right to left, and nothing ever comes of it because you're not faking anybody out at that point anymore because everybody can kind of expect, oh, they just send them. That's just window dressing. Um, and when you've got a defense that can kind of sit back, load the box, and say, I don't care, they're not going to hand it to him anyway, it doesn't help anything. So I think that's the, the main number one is you've got to make this motion mean something. Run some quick pop passes to the wide receiver on a jet, run a reverse, run a pitch run some wildcat, do something, you know, do something to make this motion really mean something. Um, Secondly, I I think you need to add more wide receivers in the pattern. Uh, I think that all this loaded, you know, too many, too many um, tight ends is not helping us, especially when you've only got Arliss, who's the only real receiving threat you have at tight end. So you, you end up with just two wide receivers in the pattern. Um, it doesn't seem like it's doing much because, you know, they're not exactly – you've got, you know, unfortunately Caleb Douglas is, is going to be out four to six weeks now. Um, I think Andy Jean's going to work in that spot. Marcus Burke should be back. But Andy Jean getting that spot, I'm curious to see what he can do because I think he brings a lot more speed to that position. Um, so maybe something changes there. But you, you're running two wide receivers, and, and I, I don't want anybody to take this the absolute wrong way because – Ricky Pearsall is a great wide receiver, but in a lot of programs, especially the ones that we compete against, Ricky Pearsall isn't usually a wide receiver one. That's not not very common. So that's kind of where we're at because, I mean, obviously our last staff didn't recruit great wide receivers. We recruited guys with concrete shoes, and most of them aren't even here anymore. Um, I think that Eugene Trey Wilson getting back, would make the world a difference in this offense. Just basically on the one drive we did have him against Tennessee, it made the, the motion and stuff mean a lot more, did a lot more with it, with him. Um, I, I don't know if that's how they feel about Ricky Pearsall. I see a lot of people complaining about Trevor Etienne not getting the ball enough. I can get, I understand your, your frustration, but Trevor's got to learn how to pass protect. Trevor also, can't pass protect. He's not going to be in on the on the designs as much. Also, because this just came out while we're in the middle of doing this show, Trevor's banged up pretty significantly mm. and is listed as questionable on this week's depth chart. Right. Just so everyone knows. Yeah, Trevor probably hasn't been at full strength since the Tennessee game. That's probably a lot of the reason you didn't see him much in the Charlotte game. Um, he's, the guy did a lot for us against Tennessee. Uh, and, and like I said, it's just one of those things where he can't pass protect. 
as well as Montreal can. And I mean, and I'm not saying that Montreal's an all-world pass protecting block, you know, blocking running back. He's just better. <laughs> He's just better. Um, I, I think they would rather have Trevor get a lot more of the snaps. Um, but what do you do? You know, if if you have a position now where you have Trevor in and he can't pass protect, then you're they're going to obviously know that he's running the football because you're not going to use him or they know he's going out on a route. So they can automatically check him off the list on a defense once they watch the film, which isn't good. You, you can't ever have a guy in the offense that you can – the defense can look at it and automatically take out of a play. So there's a lot of things that have to be done. Some people talk about taking more shots down the field. I think we took a few more against Charlotte. We took a few more against Kentucky. Um, there was a few of them that, you know, just didn't work. The guys dropped the ball or uh, there was one with Douglas where he kind of lost the ball on a deep route. Mertz overthrew a couple. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, I mean – it's not as simple as line up and run four verticals and just chuck it down the field. Especially when you look at the offensive line and not being able to pass protect long enough for Graham Mertz to get the ball down the field. So I'm I'm not really sure what, what to do. And, and I'll, I'll put it like this. Um, there's a lot of been a lot that's been made about Billy Napier and the job he's doing by a lot of people that really don't know what they're talking about. They just like to hear themselves talk. Um, it would be like me being on an airplane and trying to tell the pilot how to fly the plane. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know shit about flying an airplane, and most of you don't know shit about running a football program. So I would probably go ahead and just shut my mouth for a little while. Um, you know, if you're mad, I get it. Cool, awesome. I understand totally. I, I don't like losing either, but. There's no reason to get this upset over something we really have no control over. Uh, and and guys, we've said it before. We're going to say it again. Billy's not going anywhere this season. He's not. He's not going anywhere next season. Urban's We're, not coming back to be the. Urban's head coach. not coming through those doors. Um, Steve Spurrier doesn't want to come down and be offensive coordinator for the rest of the season. He he likes his golf time too much. Uh, you know. It, all these hypotheticals, and I know some of it is just people blowing smoke. I get it. I'm with you guys. I've seen the better days. I've lived through the the Georgia Southern game. I've, you know, we've lived through all of this crap, and we're tired of it, man. We're freaking tired of it. I watched the first two drives, and I was about ready to turn my TV off because I saw what was happening, and it just you could tell. You could tell after two drives where that game was going without a shadow of a doubt, because one team wanted it and the other team didn't. And unfortunately, our team didn't. And I said it from the beginning. A lot of people, I got in some conversations with some people there. I said, man, I don't like that noon game. And they're like, oh, we'll take whatever we can get, not to have to play a night game at Kentucky. And I'm like, well, at least I've watched us for the last, I don't know, it doesn't matter what the coach is. For whatever reason, we go on the road for a 12 o'clock game we don't wake up until two o'clock. Period. I mean, we do not play football good. We did it. We do it against Vandy. We do it against Kentucky. We do it against Missouri. It don't matter which team it is. But if it's a twelve o'clock game, I can assure you, we're not waking up until two o'clock. It's just ridiculous. And my whole thing is, and and Wes, I want to get some more opinions on you as far as what I asked CJ as well. But this is one thing. This is my biggest issue. 
Where are the leaders? Who are they? I know it's a young team. Trust me, I get it. It's a young team, but I, I need to see some fire out of somebody. You know, you keep seeing all the old guys now that the Swamp Kings documentary has come out and all of our guys are like, oh, we got to get things back to the way it used to be. When, where, who? Because I don't see anybody on the sideline getting in somebody's ass. We've all, most of y'all that listen to this podcast have played football sometime or another. You've been on the sidelines. You've watched football your whole lives. You understand what I'm talking about. You, I mean, I'd give anything to see a Jim McElwain ripping Kelvin Taylor's ass on the sideline at this point just to see some emotion out of somebody. That's what bothers me is where are the, where are the people that are upset? Where are the people like, you know, hey, call a damn timeout, bring the team over to the sidelines and rip their ass upside down and say, get your heads in the game. Something. But it's like, you know what? We're going to go three and out, and we'll be all right with it, guys. There's plenty of time. Oh, it's late in the third quarter. Um, this this clip was on Twitter going around today. It's late in the third quarter. We're down 30 to, to, to 14. Uh, it's third and two. We're going to run a counter because there's no sense of urgency whatsoever to try to score these points. You know, where is the fire? And that's what I need to see. That's something that I could see Mitzi. I don't know if Billy's got it in him, though. I don't. You see that on Coach Armstrong. He's the one exception that you see the fire out of. But it's not, to me, it's not translating. I'll see Caleb Banks on the field get excited to make a big play. But snatch somebody's damn helmet when they're not. And saying, look, you make that damn tackle next time. Number 10, number six, number six, uh, Shamar's. The last couple of games has looked real like he's been reading his press clippings. And that's the kind of stuff that's bothering me. There's there's not anyone seemingly in the locker room saying, you're not as good as you think you are. And until you are, quit acting like that. Wes, I asked this question to CJ. I'm going to pose the same thing to you. What can he do now? And what does he need to do going forward after this season? to gain the confidence of this fan base that he can write this ship. You've seen so many games now a quarter of the season or more, a bit over a quarter to play 12 games. You got to adjust to your offensive line. Quick game. The routes that CJ were talking about, these loan developing routes with just two receivers, our office line doesn't hold up enough to give Merce the time. Uh, when he plants – when he when and it's usually off of and I like the design. Every offensive coordinator in the world, I mean, that I've ever seen because I watch a lot of football. I just don't watch my team, which is college or or NFL. I watch everybody, so I feel like I'm qualified to say this. Every offensive coordinator you've seen the announcer say it, whether it's Jesse Palmer, whether it's uh, uh, Tony Romo, whether it's uh, whoever you're watching on it, Saturday or Sunday. When you get to the 40, 50 yard line. Coaches like to take a shot. We loved it with Spurrier, Rita Anthony, Jacquez Green, Ike Hillier, Jabbar Gaffney, Andre Caldwell. We used to, when we get to the 40, 50, whether it's a turnover or whatever, momentum change, stop somebody on fourth down, we get to But our plays can never get developed, so I don't know 
if the offense, if it's the offensive problem because the offensive line, we can't do those long developing plays to even see the guy come open. So we have to adjust and say we got to do a lot of quick game. We got to throw more slants. We got to do more digs. We got to do more of this and that. We got to do the goal route or the fade that CJ was talking about that we should do for verticals. Maybe it's just, hey, and Gene, Eugene Wilson, Ricky Pearsall, just run a go route, run a fade. We're just going to throw it to you because we can't do those long play action developing routes because office line doesn't give Merce the, prop, the, time, the proper time to make those plays happen. Screens, where the screens at? I hated Nussmeyer and, and uh, McElwain's offense, but they did run some pretty good screens. We got to incorporate that. If your offense line is that shitty, which our offense line is that shitty, you got to let that defensive line come and do their things. I would love to see five or six screens because we all have alluded to Eugene Wilson, Ricky Prisall, Montreal Johnson, Trevor Etienne are our best players. That's two running backs. If our offense line is not helping them in the run game, Run some damn screens. Not the, the the slant out screen, but some creative screens where we let those DNs feel like they what they already already doing, killing our quarterback. Let them come on through and run the screens. Those are things that can factor into a football game. You see Kansas City do that a lot. They're the best at it. And I, I'm saying that because I see Eric the enemy as a white I'm a Washington fan. You guys know that. And I see him incorporating my offense in Washington. It works. Because my offensive line in Washington is shitty. So I'm seeing a smart guy say, okay, I got a, I got a, a shitty offensive line. So let me do some screens because my offensive line is not that good. Let those guys come in. That's how you tire them out. That's how you get what you need when you run the screen game. You, you tire them out. Like, dang. Or you quit game. You run those digs. You run those slants. You run those go balls. They're tired because they're like, dang, we can't get – we don't know how to time what we're doing because – they're getting the ball out quick, and we're tired. Okay, let me go to the sideline. They just ran two, three plays, and I'm tired because they're getting the ball out at one point. We can't hold the ball for three seconds. It is not Mertz's problem because Mertz is when he throws the ball, he's making good decisions um, with the ball. So it's not a Mertz problem. I know everybody was on Mertz I, before the season start. I it's think, not, I, I don't, not, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I do want to say that I do think that Mertz is making his share of mistakes as well. And not maybe I think he's a little too predetermined where he's going with the ball. That too. Cause I've said, I saw some people open that he missed and I'm not saying what, what and, I mean, and, when but I say, maybe it's a, maybe it's a mental thing because he knows the offensive lines are not going to give him. <laughs> that was I mean, probably exactly. my defense is Mertz has to know where he's going with the ball before he doesn't have, he doesn't have time. Have, to. I, I will. I will. He you know, doesn't play have, the counter and even though we, point. <laughs> and even though we love our offensive, he, he's not Kyle Trask. What I mean by this, Kyle Trask had a bad offensive line. We we can, but it but it was average. The offensive line was average. It's not what it is now. But what Kyle Trask had was a Kyle Pitts, a Kadarius Tony, where he felt like he could make throws and say, "My guy's better than your guy." Merce doesn't know if his guys are that better than the other guy because they're young. And it's a trust factor that this was this year to Kyle Trask that had, okay, I know who Kadarius Tony is now. I'm playing with Kadarius Tony for two years. I know who uh, Grimes is. It's two years. I know we all knew who Kyle Pitts was. This is two years. So he doesn't have the relationship that Kyle Trask had in year two 
to say I can throw a ball up and know that they're go- those guys are going to get it, and I can maneuver in the pocket. And I, and I I'm, that's what, I'm, what I mean by the Mertz. You have to have that in your back of your mind. Like I don't, I can't even get. This time Mertz can't even get to his drop, his back foot. By the time he gets his back foot, there's pressure in his freaking face. And he's not the most mobile guy, but he's he's the guy that. He's a Kyle Trask-esque, and he can maneuver in the pocket. He's the type of guy that can move, maneuver in the pocket, make plays, and we give him, him time. He's done it plenty. The problem is he's, he's not, done it. He, he always goes right. Uh, that was pointed out. Like he, and he's good he when he goes right. Every and, 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 every quarterback that's right here. Here's the thing: like, it's just not his strength, and and that's something else. It's just why are we going? If we go empty backfield, I know we're not getting anything. It's almost like guaranteed to me. I don't even understand why we're. I saw us do it early in the game. Yeah, it's third I, down I and we go empty backfield. I said, well, this he's going to get pressured. And and Mark Stoops isn't stupid. Yeah, he saw it. I, he, the guy had to be like, oh, empty backfield? That's what it, you want it to limits, do? It limits the offense <laughs> because you, we have to have leave guys. We have to leave a tight end or a running back in the chip. Because if we don't leave them in the chip or a uh, uh, pass pro, uh, uh, in pass pro even is at times when we even leave the running back or the tight end to chip or pass pro, we still get blown up. It's that horrible that I, I saw a play with Mazuka and George, and it's like I, I think it might have been the play where Mertz went on his back foot and slipped. I mean, and, and after the season, I'm, I'm going to get off that because y'all covered it. I, I've done enough talking about it. After the season, we all know what has to be done. You have to get a new office coordinator, and you have to get some good office alignment. How you get office alignment, I don't know, because even if we want Seton, and it's probably a 30% chance if Seton is all world. Say Seton leaves after year three, I don't see him coming in and be the best offensive tackle, left tackle, right tackle in football. But if Barber comes back, say he moves inside, I don't care. We, we saw with uh, Martez Ivory. He was a good left guard when, he, when he, he didn't start his freshman year. But sometimes you can get those five stars and move them inside. To protect, but that's the, because that's, to me, the worst uh, type of pressure to a quarterback, inside pressure from the guards. They Because they, you can't well, step up. That's where, you me, could, that's where maybe you slide him to right tackle and you slide George inside, which where we all kind of believe yeah, is where he needs to be anyway. Because uh, yeah. quarterbacks want to climb the pocket. A quarterback like Mertz, who's not a scrambler, we always see, we all just alluded to how he likes to go right. Yeah. They want to climb in the pocket. But he can't climb in the pocket because Slaughter, Kingsley, uh, Mazuka, uh, George, they're getting blown up. The that's, problem is, is you hampered yourself with your strategy, your, your recruiting strategy, and your portal strategy. Now, obviously, we know uh, we lost Goodwin right before the season. Um, and a lot of people say, well, we don't know what that would end up. Trust me, from the things we heard about about Goodwin, he was not taking his, his weight serious. I don't believe this is a young man that was going to be that much of a difference maker anyway. But it doesn't help. Uh, you lose weights. Now, weights is on his way back, but he's still coming back from a torn Achilles tendon. He he's on the debt chart. Aaron Rodgers' uh, recovery where – he listens to Dolphins mate uh, and it sped him up. <laughs> but I mean, and maybe Waits is it plays great. Maybe that allows you maybe to slide George inside if need be. But I don't really think I mean it's just it's a problem all the way around and it's not gonna fix itself mid season. It's just mm-hmm. not. 
This is not a situation that's going to fix itself mid Yeah, I don't understand. And like you guys said, I don't understand the empty sets. I've never understood an empty set with a quarterback that has no threat of beating you with his legs unless they're in yeah. prevent. He's not unless they're in prevent coverage. Draw. He's not going to run a draw. You're yeah. not. <laughs> it's what? not like, <laughs> I mean, and it doesn't help. A, you've got young guys out there running the wrong routes or running their their. They're not they're, running deep enough on their yes, route. Yes, uh, and that was the one, and you know which one I'm talking about. Yeah. Marlis Boardingham, it's fourth and fourth and four. He runs the – and if you look at the breakdown, and, and shout out to all the guys that do the breakdown videos, they do a fantastic job. Um, and I appreciate them because it lets me go back and watch some of the stuff and see, oh, here's what the problem was. The play call was actually not bad. Mm-hmm. There was two things on that fourth down call that went wrong. A – Montreal Johnson was open on a wing route on a, on a swing route immediately that Graham never turned and looked for him on. Okay, but Boardingham, if he cuts his route up instead of running it flat as a damn piece of paper, he pulls the line. The linebacker's not able to to cut the route and knock the ball away, and it's just simple football knowledge. And I mean, two, that is just I'll basic. Give, I'll also say you got to have that instinct if you're playing football, especially at this level, I need half a yard to get this when you catch that football. Um, you're doing – you're dragging a man. You're doing you whatever get, you got to you do. You get your half a yard. It's, a, it's called awareness on Madden. You've got to have a, you've got <laughs> you to have a mindset. It's awareness it's a mindset. on Madden. It's that dog. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and this don't have is, enough guys that have And this that is where them. the young team comes into play. And I get it, and we all get that. We've said it the whole time. This was a young team. They were going to make their share of mistakes. Like I said, it goes back to my my thing. Where are the leaders? Where is the guy saying, next time, you, you got to run that damn route the right way. Now, maybe they're doing it in the locker room. That's great. But I, I just don't see that. I, I don't see it because I've watched you want too many teams. I've watched, too, exactly, I've watched too many teams. We watched these guys that are in the Swamp Kings documentary. We saw them on the field and in the sideline setting the tone with their attitude. Yeah. And nobody on this team is setting a tone with their attitude. It's just not happening. I see individuals getting excited about individual plays, but I don't see individuals getting pissed off when your safety continues to miss tackles. Your linebacker is not where he needs to be on on run plays. Um, I man, if if you can't do the job, put someone else on the field that can. I don't. Great, they're not doing it in practice. Yeah. The coaches see everything that happens in practice. Fine. He's saying by Thornton. I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that out loud. Yeah, but good. well, uh, yeah, <laughs> M- Mr. Mitchell has listed his question on the debt chart this weekend yeah. as well. It, um, it's, it's to the point, and you guys have heard this a million times. You either coach it or you allow it. All right. So if you're coaching it, you know, and they're not doing it, and you continue to put them out there, now you're allowing. At it. this point, no, I don't. I don't blame the. I don't blame most of the players at this point. You can't. No. And, and, and the I've thing said, about it, one year on this podcast, a, a lot of the guys that he has brought in, and, and some other, and I've heard this, and, and I've seen it. They've played well, but it's some. It's, it's at a point where, and, and it's it's hard because we've seen. I remember Keanu Neal. I remember Marcus May struggling at Alabama, and then by time. When what uh, um, Collins got here, their junior and senior year, I was like, "Oh snap!" Like 
I see the five star from Marcus May. I see the five star from Keanu Neal. Like they were different from. So I don't want to say that it's kind of catch one to you. You, I see Mitchell, and and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say his name. I, I see him missing tackles and doing different things, and it makes me want to see Bryce Thornton because I want to see a younger guy, and I know. How I want to see the next to, man up. I want to see yeah. the next guy. If you but, can't get it done, but I, but give I remember, me the next guy on the field. Yeah, but it's, it's the, the catch to it hers, and and I and, I'm, and I could be wrong, but he may never get it. But the catch is, I, I remember that Alabama. It was like 2011 or 10 or whatever, and I remember seeing Marcus May and Keanu Neal struggle at Alabama. Then I remember seeing them in 2000. Not, it was not 2012. Excuse me, 2014 or 15. And then I remember seeing Marcus May get the finished product of May and Neil. And like, yeah. okay, I Look, saw them struggle as freshmen and sophomores, and they got it. So I don't know. You I'm know not what I mean? saying it's you hard. have to pull them for the whole game. Pull them. Exactly. We're not saying they're never going to be good. Nobody's ever said that. Especially these freshmen and sophomores. We don't know. They've still got years left to play football. Yeah. But but you can't let them keep doing the wrong thing exactly. and then leaving them out there like it's okay. And not seeing the, 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 because, the freshman day. Good coaches, good coaches like Mark Stoops is going to say, attack that guy all day yeah. long. Right, right. Yeah. He doesn't know He doesn't know where he's supposed to be. He's out of position constantly. Or they spot it. Oh, he's scared to put his head in there and make the tackle. It's just he looks unathletic. And 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 that's and I'm not trying to just single out Mitchell. There's I mean, like we said, Shamar has not tackled well the last two. Jalen Kimber's not tackling. Jalen well. Marshall's not tackling um, well. Hey, look, the DBs are terrified to tackle. I love I love Shamar James. I think he's I think he is the I, best I, I guy put on more this defense. Sco- I put more Scooby on this than Shamar. But look, I will tell you right now, Shamar or one of y'all, whoever's missed the tackle, you're sitting out the next series. Derek Wingo, grab your helmet. Get on I the like field. that. I like that, Hirsch. I like that. Listen, it's I, and, a that's a, and I'm not. I'm just saying. Hey, if you cannot get it done right now, like next that. man up. We've like we, we've said it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, that's, I don't that's it. It's held, it's holding you accountable. CJ said to have it, a you, mindset. CJ said it, and you kind of backed it up too. And I like what you guys just said. It's not that you don't have to be benched the whole game. No, as your junior it's season, an but, attitude change. But, yeah. It's just a hey, look, we're not. And you want to get not, and you. You're and not you so good that we can't sit you out. And we're losing anyway, and we're yeah. getting pummeled anyway. Yeah. So why not see Bryce Thornton? What, what are we going to do? We we give up another seventy-five yard run? And, and look give at up it, another this, twenty yards. This way. I'm with you. There, I'm there's with you. there's I'm another with you old that. saying that football doesn't build character; it reveals it. Right. I'm so with you guys. You need to look at kids and say, "You're not getting it done. You're playing like crap. Sit on the bench." And you need to have kids that take that as a challenge. And sometimes to get better. And if they don't, you don't want them on your football team. And look, that's it. I'm gonna I'm gonna use an example right now. God, we keep bringing uh, up Dion, but I'm gonna bring it up right now. And our old buddy Cormani McLean. Dion called out Cormani McLean publicly for a couple weeks. And Cormani McLean went out this week and played very well against a good USC offense. And sometimes that's what it takes. You got to, you know, you got to tell a, a man, you need to look in the mirror because you're not getting it done. And if it, like I said, if it's sitting him down one series, two series, a half, whatever it is, you know what? You've done enough today. Why don't you go, you know, we'll, we'll talk about, you will have a chance to redeem yourself starting Monday. But for now, next man up. All right, guys. We're not going we're not breaking down Vandy and whatever they are and aren't. We're just going to simply say it. Four o'clock Saturday, 
Wes, what's your score prediction, Florida versus Vandy? I think we don't handle wins very well, but we usually bounce back. <laughs> we got to worry home. about that this week. Yeah, it's weird. We we have we we really kind of handle losses and 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 change that way, and then we play well at home. I think he's eight and two at home, but I'm not not mistaken. So I'll go seventeen point spread, and I'm gonna go with the seventeen point spread. I'm gonna give you twenty seven ten. Yeah, you're on hot. You're on crack. Um, CJ? <laughs> uh, 21 7. All right. 31-21, <laughs> because I think this Vandy team can can put can they don't have Davis, do they? Is Davis going back over there? I don't know. Yeah, he's gonna join Vandy. Is he going back to play with Vandy? He said he they wants got some a, more. Vandy got a quarterback <laughs> that can run the ball, though, and that 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 bothers me because we usually until like I've I've said this to some other people, until I see us play sound against running quarterbacks, I'm gonna believe we can't play sound against running quarterbacks. Uh, hopefully, that's something. It, it'll be good practice for some of the guys we're gonna face going forward. But um, I, I I don't know, man. I do think we'll score some points this week, but I'm a little worried we're gonna give some up too. Hopefully, um, we put them away and and some guys can get some rest because then the meat of the schedule is about to really get to us, guys. Mm. All right. That's enough. That's enough negativity, guys. Hopefully, we see some some big steps going forward this weekend. If not, could be a really long week. <laughs> but it's not time of the week again, guys. It's time. Week six pick'ems. Last week, Hirsch continues to hold the crown, guys. Seven and three for Hirsch. Six and four for CJ. Six and four for West. Duke let CJ down. I'm sorry, last. Duke. Duke quarterback got hurt. I'm sorry. It's my fault, Duke. I apologize. And now y'all are going to lose to he, Florida State. Andy picked Arkansas State and him. Um, West learned his lesson about picking picking Arkansas last year. So, but uh, but West but West thought U.S. thought South Carolina was going to go into kneeling and do something something and. You know. And we got Arkansas fans are so mad. They're worse than us. They want to commit aquatic homicide. They, well, I this, saw that. <laughs> if they, look, if y'all want to fire y'all's coach, we will take him as our I would love Sam Pittman. Sam Pittman, I would hire Sam Pittman. Rob, I would go pack Rob Sale's house up. <laughs> I'd take him out to Me and that kid we that went to UCF or whatever it was, that damn kid with the moving truck, I'll get him and we'll go pack Sam Pittman's stuff up. And 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 move him into Rob Sale's house overnight. It, it ain't even gonna be. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. That leaves it on the season. Hirsch, 35 and 15. Wes and CJ both 31 and 19, four games back. They're gonna try to close the gap this weekend. I don't see it happening, but let's roll with it, boys. All right, first game on the docket. The undefeated Maryland Terrapins at Ohio State. Ohio State, I ain't sold on them, but I don't know if Maryland's got the juice. Wes, who who can do it? I'm gonna take Ohio State at home. I want to take Maryland bad, but I this is home. I like Coach Lossley, man. I like. I ain't, even, I like I ain't even giving a thought to Maryland. Give me Ohio State. Oh, CJ said, don't even wait. I'm not even gonna wait for you to call my name. I know no, who I'm going with. Ohio State. Maryland take State. Ohio State. The points. The everything. All right. LSU coming off a, a bad beat. Travels to Missouri. 
CJ, who you got? I hit it from Missouri. Their run is about to end. LSU win. Wes? LSU. I want to go yeah. I'll score more than Yeah, you. Missouri ain't played nobody worth talking about. LSU's going to score some points. Missouri's um, ranked. <laughs> it's crazy. Ke- Kelly's, Kelly's feeling a little bit of pressure down there. He's trying to fire some people. All right. The uh, game three, the new Bama, the, the, the running quarterback Bama. We're not throwing passes at Jimbo's Texas A&M. Jimbo tries to get another win, tries to get a win on Saban. I just, I don't know there. Wes, who you got? I, I told y'all last week that I like Max Johnson. Uh, ever since what he did, uh, he just took what was there. He, yeah, he's we, not were, a, we, we nailed that pick. Yeah, he's not a spectacular quarterback. He just does the right thing. His dad was an NFL player for years, so it's in him. But I think Nick Saban is about to make a run. So I'm, he, he, maybe he's back to that old losing September, never lose again. Nick Saban, I'm going to go with Bama. CJ? Yeah, last week I messed up. I didn't know that uh, that the Hogs and A&M were playing in, in the Cowboys Stadium. I thought they were playing at Arkansas. That's my fault. Um, oh, that's my fault then. I'm the one that said at Arkansas yeah, last week. Yeah, no, had I know they were playing in the neutral they side. Always probably, played I didn't. I, they I, always I forgot. Played. I don't pay I attention. Do. I didn't realize that. I just looked at what ESPN yeah, said. Yeah, they played they in the Cowboys Stadium. Always, like, that's, oh, that's, well, that's, I messed that's the that yearly up. Thing. Okay, yeah, Jerry Jones's team. I got it. Uh, yeah, give me give me Bama. I know Jimbo pulled it off a while ago, but again, I just feel like Alabama's got enough defensive firepower to really set in on these yeah, guys. I, if one thing I can count on is Jimbo shitting the bed against Saban, give me Bama. Gonna be, a, I think it'll be a tight little ball game. I think it will be a because Bama's not blowing anybody out. I just don't see it. But um, until they learn how to throw the football a little bit more. <laughs> All right, game four, man. Uh, Notre Dame's going against the gauntlet here. All of a sudden, they, you know, a couple at the beginning of the season, this didn't look so good, bad. But Notre Dame at Louisville, CJ. All right. Well, I've been let down by Notre Dame, <laughs> and then they win the next week. Now they're playing the Redbirds. Um, you know what? Give me Notre Dame. I'll take the Domers. They finally end Louisville's streak here. Louisville's at yes. home? It is at Louisville. So they just left Duke, and now they're going at Louisville. Two, two hard-fought like, games in a row, man. And it's crazy. I like Freeman so much. But Louisville didn't let me down last time. This is my win over CJ right here. Let me get Louisville. Ooh. Unfortunately, you, you're battling the wrong guy. Um. <laughs> Got to got to conquer that guy. I got to get battling for the wild card spot. Um, yeah, man, I I I ain't sold on Louisville being able to to score enough points to win this game. Even though I did say I thought Louisville was sneaky good to start the season, but Notre Dame won a hard fought battle. Hartman didn't play his best last weekend. I think he breaks out of that this weekend and puts some points up on the board in the the Domers roll. All right. Here's Arkansas back on our docket again, just because I'm sick of they it. have the ability to beat anybody any given Saturday. But and Ole, you know, Arkansas at Ole Miss, Ole Miss, man, what a what a win, what a comeback to win that ball game. Is there an emotional letdown this weekend, though, Wes? No, I <laughs> I've decided to never pick Arkansas ever again. 
after what they did to me last year, and it's worked this far this year, and I'm going to stick with it. Let's go. Lane Kiffin. All right, CJ. Yeah, give me Ole Miss. Why not? I don't like Ole Miss, but I'll take them. I'm picking Arkansas to lose every game until Sam Pittman is our new offensive line coach. <laughs> go Lane. That was a great ball game, though, man. I, yeah, I it was. It was I don't, fun I don't care much about old Wayne, um, but I love a good college football game, and that was some fun watching right there. Until the old young old boy got pumped on the field because he wants to run into the LSU football. Yeah, I fell off the goalpost drunk. It was, it was yeah, great. it was pretty good times down there. All right, Syracuse Orange men undefeated on the season travel to Chapel Hill to play North Carolina. CJ, give me the Tar Heels. Wes. I mean, Drake me. You know who it is. I, I'm with you. <laughs> I know who Drake May plays for, son. I, I got you. UNC for me as well. I, I don't – Syracuse hadn't done anything to make me that excited. It's just the best records on the, that that we could find this week to call some games. <laughs> yeah, they, right. they, they play well versus Clemson this week. Uh-huh. Washington State at UCLA. Wes, who you got? Cougs are surprising some people out there. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Cougars. CJ. I think I think UCLA's got a lot of questions right now at the freshman quarterback. I'm not saying he's a bad player. I think he's just a freshman and he's doing some growing pains. So give me Wazoo. Give me the Cougs. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Washington State it is. I, I do think Moore is going to be a really good one once he puts it all together. But this is this is in Florida. Fans need to think about that. The ones that are going to want DJ DJ Lagway starting quarterback next year. When you start a freshman quarterback, and that's out in the pack in the pack twelve where they don't play. Well, they might be the best conference this year, but yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, you want to try to start a freshman in the SEC, you're going to ask for trouble. <laughs> all right. Our good friends in Orlando, UCF Knights, travel to play. Kansas, Kansas got knocked out of the ranks of the unbeaten against Texas. CJ, who you picking here? UCF's finding a little tough road to hoe in the old. Yeah, they're big twelve. Yeah, but I think I think they can score. I think they could score enough to beat Kansas. I, I think that's going to be a high powered ball game. I think they could figure it out. They had, I mean, they had the game against Baylor one, but they <laughs> I don't know what they did. That was the See, best play I ever seen in my life. You uh, take UCF? Yeah, I mean, quarterback? Give me UCF. All right, Wes, who you taking? Is Kansas quarterback still out? Do you know? They had uh, did he get hurt? He got hurt in, in, against Texas. I'm, I'm not sure if he's still out or not. I'm going to take UCF because I don't know either. That's the only reason I'm taking them because either if the quarterback was starting, I would, I would take Kansas. But I think whatever. I'm taking Kansas because Baylor Baylor's not a good football team, and they lost to Baylor. And I'm just – this is one time I'm going to use some transitive property, and I just hate UCF, and I'm just going to take any chance I can to tell you to say that they suck. So, oh. all right, guys, now let's talk about it. Two biggest games of the weekend. I think this game right here is going to be an absolute uh, Rocky versus Drago slugfest. Kentucky travels to UGA to play West. Who are we taking? Oh my God, that man didn't even hesitate. He's been thinking about that since Saturday. Did you hear? He's that? gonna be really excited during the first half. Joe Georgia 
comes it, back and wins. He's going to message us at halftime. It's over, guys. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to keep just, picking everybody against Georgia until they find Georgia, yeah. Georgia's second half team, they take the dogs. It's going to look like all of our hopes and dreams are coming true and Kentucky's going to Brock Bowers over. breaks one loose. Until all of a sudden, Mike Bobo realizes at halftime, oh, yeah, I got Brock Bowers. What am I doing? <laughs> and that's what I was about to say, and that's why I'm going to pick UGA. It finally clicked this weekend in that second half. Uh, Beck finally said, holy smokes, I have the best tight end in college football. Maybe I should use that guy once in a while. Right. And once <laughs> and once he did, it was a completely different story. Now, do I think Ray Davis and company can go out there and run the football at UGA? Absolutely, I do. The problem is, eventually, Larry's going to have to throw the ball, unlike he had to do versus us. And I don't think that young man can do enough to win you a football game. So. Give me UGA at home. If it was at Kentucky, I think it might be a whole different story. <clears throat> All right, guys, the Red River rivalry, Oklahoma at Texas, Texas undefeated, Oklahoma on the up and up, Dylan Gabriel and company. CJ, who you taking? I'm so excited to watch this game because I love watching this game every year. I'm even more excited because Florida doesn't play till four, so I can actually sit down and enjoy it. <laughs> um, give me Texas. I don't like it. I'm, I'm kind of worried about it because I feel like Oklahoma is better than a lot of people are giving them credit for right now. But I, I, I think I think that Texas. I think it's all out got, the window in this game. I you think know that it Texas is. can pull it off. I think they can do it this year. Wes. Yeah, I'm going to go with the old Clemson boy. I, he's a defensive coordinator. I think he's going to have something cooked up for that offense uh, against Texas. So I'm going with uh, Sooners. Texas might really be back, boys. I, I, I reserve the right to say Texas is back until they prove they're not back. And right now, they're doing really good. Give me Texas to beat Oklahoma. I don't like Oklahoma. Never have, never will. So, um, give me Quentin Ewers and the boys and, and the Sark. The Sark the, Shark, baby. Sark the Shark. That's it, boys. Those are our picks. You may not, they may not be your picks. Once again, don't spend your hard-earned money based on our picks, because no, Prize Picks was not kind to me. Prize Picks, me, was me it, was a, it was a terrible week on Prize Picks. Everybody sucked at football this last weekend, except I won some money on the USC Colorado game. Mike, was, Michael Penix let me down. He didn't. Oh not. my God! Yeah, one of their receivers didn't even start. I didn't play Saturday football. I played Sunday, and I was. I didn't do much better on Sunday either. <laughs> It's a, it was a bad week all the way around. I did good on baseball. I bet on some baseball. I won like fifteen dollars. So baseball. Fifteen dollars, baby. That was lunch. Yeah. CJ bought his wife a sandwich. That's right, baby. Michael, I would have won more if Michael King and the Yankees didn't let me down. Good God, <laughs> betting on the Yankees. School Braves. We played this weekend. All right, all right, guys. We appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate you listening to us vent a little bit. Hopefully, uh. Our voice was carrying over to some of y'all's concerns and y'all are kind of watching and going, yeah, that's what needs to happen. Or no, that doesn't need to happen. Leave us your thoughts down below on what Billy can do to turn this ship around this season. And maybe some things you want to see besides obviously hire an offensive coordinator in the off season. We kind of all know that that's the situation. But until next time, guys, we appreciate you all so much. CJ, what do you got for the guys before we leave? Uh, just thank you guys so much again for supporting us as creators. Check out our friends at Alma Mater. They still have this black hat with the Pell Era logo on it. I love this hat. This is a really nice hat. They've got a few other designs. 
it's called their weekender design. It comes with a rope across the front. They've got it in white, gray, and blue. So check that out too. Uh, but thank you guys so much. Check our link out. It helps us out a ton. Um, also, uh, Mahersh mentioned in the comments, please don't leave comments uh, about your, your head coaching big board below. I, I do not do not care to see who you would like to see Florida hire as the next coach right <laughs> now. Uh, I've seen enough of that this week. <laughs> All right, Wes, send us home, man. Yeah, check the link out in the bottom of the description video. Get your gear uh, from uh, someone who's all Gators, four Gators. Uh, it helps out, helps us out a lot. And like uh, CJ Nurse was just saying, uh, well, I don't think they say this, but go. You saw our picks. Put your picks in the bottom. See how you compare to us. Uh, see who knows ball. Um, see if you can catch her because me and CJ is having a hell of a uh, time trying to run him down. Uh, so see if you can run Ain't nobody down. run me down in, in a season and yeah. a half yet, baby. <laughs> so see what you can do versus <laughs> hers. And as always, uh, we, we love you guys. Uh, we hope, like her said, our venting uh, was received. You know, we all feel the same way. We just want to win. We want a good uh, product on the field. We love what we're doing in recruiting. The Bill is kind of doing like two out of three. We just want to see progress. We know this year we were going to be a national championship team. But we wanted to see progress on the field. And right now, we only see one side of the ball doing that. And that's defense, special teams, and offense. It has been horrendous. So, uh, and, and those things have got to get fixed. We didn't even touch on special teams, and we're not going to because I might have We know. Opinion. It we ain't know. nothing to be said. Man. We know. I have a stroke tonight if we talk about that. So, we're not going to leave that alone. And as always, uh, Vandy is the best medicine right now for us at home, hopefully. Uh-huh. So, we'll see what happens. And as always, go Gators. Go Gators. Beat Vandy. Go Gators, baby. Catch y'all next week. Peace. Peace. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.